Hello and welcome back to another episode of Rabbit Hole Stories. Uh, today we had Nico on, who's um, a content, um, how would you call it, a content, what are we? He, he, well, good question. <laughs> he call, he <laughs> what are we? Him, he used to be a journalist, that's what he said, but he calls himself a content creator now because he does like all of the content stuff. Content creator. Yeah. So I've got to remember that because that's what we are now, right? We're influencers. <laughs> That is very unlikely. But yeah, um, Nico is a nice guy. Um, he's got his own podcast going. He's got his own um, media outlet, I suppose, because he set up a whole new website um, appealing not only now to German-speaking nations, but also uh, English as well, uh, just to get a broader message out there for a broader audience. Um, so yeah, it was a nice chat. Um, it was it was nice to get some hints and tips about content creation as well from him, uh, which is always nice to get that kind of... Um, Basically told us, I, want, I can't remember if it's in the recording or once we stop the recording, like um, your, your thumbnails are shit on YouTube. And we already knew this, so it was the right kick we in knew the it, And we took action. By the time <laughs> exactly. you listen to this, we've already we've already taken action. So if For you still weeks, think it's yeah. shit, then yeah. well, what can I say? <laughs> That's not on us. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have a word with the uh, the um, editor of the thumbnails. Yeah, the creative director at Robert Hall Stories. But Nico is a great guy. Um, he, he is. As I said, used to be a journalist, so he also gave a couple of insights into the media landscape, um, what's been going on, why certain journalists just don't seem to get Bitcoin. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Little spoiler, it doesn't seem to be all their fault. It's kind of the system they're in place. And um, I think a good talk about like CBDCs and the whole financial system in place. So it was a yeah, really, yeah. it was a really broad um, chat. Um, and we don't want to keep you wait any longer. So have fun, guys. Yeah, let's let's go down this rabbit hole with Nico. Enjoy. Hi, guys. Welcome back to Rabbit Hole Story with your regular co-host. We're not going to do the whole introduction again because we want to focus on our guest today. And we have Nico on live from Austria. Uh, my home country, one of my home countries, and I'm pretty excited to have you on, Nico. Hi, Joel. Thanks for having me. Hi, Ian. Hey, how are you, Nico? I'm very well, thank you. It's an absolute pleasure having you on Rabbit Hole Stories, um, and uh, thank you for joining us and spending your time with us here today. Um, how about uh, we spend the next couple of minutes just um, getting to know you a bit better? If you want to tell us um, who you are, what you're about, and what kind of work you're doing in the space at the moment. Sure, absolutely. So my name is Nico Jilch. I'm from Vienna, Austria. I, I'm a finance journalist by trade. I've been covering, I've been working for newspapers basically mostly, most of my career. Um, I've been covering all things monetary for about 12, 13 years, starting with um, the euro crisis, then the debt crisis, uh, Bitcoin on and off. Um, we'll go into that story a bit later. Um, gold, of course, the ECB, the euro, um, all that jazz for the last couple of years. Then I spent two years with a think tank where I also got more into, into the scientific details of monetary policy. And then afterwards, uh, in the beginning of 2022, I went freelance and I now work my, on my own. I have a, a YouTube channel um, that's mostly German where I cover finance and Bitcoin. I have a, a podcast that's... Uh, called Was Bitcoin Bringt. It's a weekly German podcast and I have to say it's pretty successful, uh, thankfully, because there are many German podcasts right now, but my timing was, was good and I'm the only one uh, who does um, interviews in the studio, um, like, like, you know, like Peter McCormick does. <laughs> um, and and it's really it's really helpful to 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 like sit down with people and not only do I, I love doing it remotely and if it's necessary, I will do it, but um, being able to sit down with people really you know ups the quality of the conversation mm. um and so i do the youtube channel i do the the podcast that's my main my main job basically and um i'm also running uh, an english language a newsletter podcast and soon youtube channel under the name fix the money fix the money.net it's based on my Substack. i'm doing that together with yale a friend of mine um because i like I want to also stay in touch with the, well, the international Bitcoin community because it's a global phenomenon. And it's always cool to have people. I did a podcast with Mary from Nigeria two weeks ago. And last week I did a podcast with Suli from Lebanon. And next oh, amazing. week, it's, it's great. It's really great. Um, and I think that there is, a, there is, there is still space in that, in that um, market as well because uh, our friends in the US mostly talk to people in the US. So... <laughs> 
so we have we have a, a chance to to you know see and cover the rest of the world a little bit um and especially europe because we need to connect better you know we need to connect with each other i have no not no real clue what's going on in france or spain or italy i mean you'd meet some people on, on conferences yes um and especially in eastern europe has a big has big bitcoin overseas as well because they they are they have been through a lot they they understand the whole topic better than western europe probably does so um and me being in austria so i mean like smack in the middle of of, of, of mm -hmm. everything here um yeah so and it's been great i mean i've been meeting a lot of great people i've been getting um very very uh, good feedback from from germany and also from austria and it's it's great because i'm not as a journalist you're not used to getting um good feedback <laughs> you, <know>? <laughs> <laughs> you get hate mail mostly huh? yeah i wasn't I, i can't remember the name of um one of the famous um french journalists who once said if you get like a house warrant house search or bad email that's sort of part of the job as a journalist <laughs> um i don't hope someone i don't hope someone got into your home because you're definitely winning best background so far with all of our guests <laughs> for those on, on audio go over to the youtube channel it looks uh nico has a nice background nice hey, well i'm i am i am a youtuber my, my wife still still snickers when i say uh, when, when people ask me and i say i'm a youtuber because she thinks um, <laughs> but then of course she also she also um you know spends 20 hours a day on instagram and thinks that's the most normal thing in the world so right um <laughs> it's 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 I, I love YouTube. YouTube is great. And, and also it's um, like w one thing that I did not expect, but that has have, is already a big part of my job now is, is also public speaking. So I do, I do um, conferences in German and English. Last, last year I've been at the Bitcoin Amsterdam, Bitcoin 2023 in Amsterdam. I've been there on, the, on stage with uh, Jeff Booth and Greg Foss and uh, Prince Philip of Serbia, who's a very cool guy. And... And then I've been in Bulgaria and a couple of other places. Then so, but this year is, I, I could be on a Bitcoin event only in the German-speaking world. I could be at a Bitcoin event every weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so you have to pick and choose, but it's 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 gonna be a great year. I was just about to say I just came from the advancing Bitcoin like a few minutes ago. I'll do the interview now, do the backup, and then I'll go for the after party again. <laughs> so as Bitcoiners, we, we sort of have to do it, right? We have to be at these events. But I can uh, I can imagine the discussions at home if you want to be like everyone, I guess. You can't go to every Bitcoin you want conference. No, you want. but no, you can't, but it's still it's a crazy world, you know. I've been this is this is I've, last week or this week actually on Monday I would do I would do an interview with um with uh, uh, Vijay Boyapati, the bullish case for mm. Bitcoin, and then like an hour later, I would do an interview with Suli in Lebanon. It's and it's it's just insane, but it's it's a nice. lot of fun, and and you just have to be careful you don't overwork yourself. But that's true for every job. So mm. um, I enjoy it a lot. I enjoy it immensely. I mean, you're, you're far much further down the um, content journey than than I am, and it seems like um, you've been very successful at doing so, and. Um, like what I've just been hearing you say, Nico, is it's 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 so much better meeting people in person. So going to all these meetups and to the conferences and having a studio where you can actually speak face to face with these people and quite a lot of influential people that you've you've spoken to as well in the space creates this kind of wealth of knowledge that you can you can sort of um put the signal out there for Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's such a, you know, a, a privileged position for you to be in. And I'm just wondering whether, um, um, how, have you learned anything new recently in the Bitcoin space speaking to all these people, or is it just kind of the, the same message? Is, is there, is there more learning taking place constantly for you? Yes. Yes. And that's the great thing about it. That's why I do it in this way. It's, um, right. it's, it's you, you really, you, you never know. You never know. Mm. Um, mm. And especially talking to people from other cultures and other countries and even other continents, you know, um, let's, let's take, let's take Mary from Nigeria, for example, I would see her, I would write an, and I would do a video on my German YouTube channel on the situation, the cash inflation, Bitcoin situation, in Nigeria. And then I see a thread she posts on, on, on Twitter. I immediately shoot her a DM. No, I, I, I look her up first, you know, because one of the skills you have to develop is you have to see if somebody can, is somebody suit, suited, you know, for, for, uh, for an interview. 
Sure. Um, and so I look her up, but she has a Twitch channel and a YouTube channel, and she's running two podcasts of her own. So yeah, she's suited. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and uh, I, I I sent her a DM on Twitter um, if she wants to do a podcast. And and within two days we're we're talking about and and it's very easy to get going because we are all on a very similar point of information, right? When it comes mm. to what's happening in the world, but then I don't know what's happening in Nigeria. So for example. Um, uh, she, I realized this when I talked to her. So she said that Nigeria is a very cash-based society, right? And that cash is very important to get to, for Nigerians to keep the, the country running. because it's, And then the central banks comes and fucks up the whole cash situation because that's what central banks do. And, and now it's, it's chaos. And I said, yeah, well, Austria, funnily enough, is also a cash-based society. But the, the more we got into it, the more I realized it's, it, the words are the same, but it doesn't mean the same thing. Austrians... Right. Austrians like to use cash because they are just used to it. But if you don't you have to use cash, everybody's fine using other means, right? Nigerians are literally dependent on cash. If there is no cash, nothing happens. Um, so there's a huge difference, obviously. You can't just sit there and say, yeah, we're the same. It doesn't work like that. So yeah, these little things you learn. And, and I realized this very early on, even long before I did finance journalism, when I started as, 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 as a journalist while I was still at uh, university. So you would go to university and you would you would have a professor there and there's like 800 students uh, listening to the professor and it's very unpersonal, right? But if you call any professor in the world and you say, I write for a newspaper, you, you have time for an interview, they'll have like three, four hours for you and post for pictures because everybody wants to get into the media and, and give you the whole, like explain everything to you um, in a one-on-one -on -one situation, right? Um, and that is a privilege, yes, absolutely. And and for me, doing the podcasting, um, I started out podcasting in my last job before the pandemic. I had one prior podcast, and I never thought about doing it remotely. So I would I would I would always start with uh, doing it personally, and then during the pandemic, I learned how to do it remotely. And then um, af afterwards, now I see it as a as a privilege because. Uh, within the German-speaking world, you know, if you're a Bitcoiner who maybe has a story to tell or even has a company he wants to wants people to know about, and I meet you at the at the conference, I will tell you, I invite you to, to the to the podcast. Absolutely, I want to talk to you. But if you can take the time, come to Vienna for a couple of hours. Let's do it in person, and many people will do it. Um, I, I'm not at the at the level of of others that I can invite people yet, but maybe in the future, you know. Do you think so? Because I think a lot of the German people, uh, well, German-speaking people, sorry. Um, wow, I just offended probably a couple of Swiss guys you had on. <laughs> that could go either or the other way. Um, were, like um, uh, Julian Lindiger, for example, wasn't was he already in Vienna or did he come to meet you and do the talk? Because I feel like a lot of people have been in your studio and sort of yeah. came on an invite basis. No, 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 no. I mean, invite in, in, in the sense that I pay for everything. That's what I mean. Mm, okay, okay. Got I it. can't. I can't because I think I think others are post, uh, have enough budget so they can just say, okay, come here. I'll pay for the flight and the hotel. Oh, I see. And mm -hmm. So that that I cannot do yet. Um, mm. I'm, I mean, I am. It is a business. It is a business that I'm running here. It is profitable, but it's still a very much a, a, a one man show with with some contractors, right? So I cannot. I cannot. Um, just uh, really nearly invite people, but I mean, it would be great at some point if I could do that. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, Julian, for example, he was, he would, so Emo, who is, who you, you had on the show, so you know Emo, so he lives in Vienna, right? And, and then there's others, I mean, from the Southern, like the Swiss and the Southern German region, it's not that far, you know, um, Christian Kleger from Terra Hash was doing a, 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 a great job. He wanted to do it in person. So if it's possible for me, I would do it in person, um, that's also, I mean, that's also actually why I started the English podcast. So I'm, I'm basically publishing two episodes a week, one in English and one in German these days. Um, and I started it because I would meet guys like Jeff Booth and Greg Foss and Isabella Kaminska and all these people on the conferences. And I, I, I couldn't bring my cameras because that's just too much of a hassle, right? But I can record um, audio there. And I'm just, I'm just, that's the journalist in me. If I get to speak to people like these, like this, I want to sit down and talk to them. And also, I have to say, I mean, this is crazy, but um, we live in a world that's so we're so 
um, distracted all the time, right? That mm. that um, having these these long form conversations um, with one hundred percent focus is great for everybody involved because you don't because you're not distracted and and it's just for me doing this it gives me more energy that it that it takes out so it's it's a it's a, uh, a net a net positive for the world. <laughs> Funny enough, you mentioned it. I actually just got involved in a Bitcoin think tank who's sort of getting built up and stuff. And um, I'm sort of partially responsible, you know, media side, content side. Um, and they asked me like, you know, we would like to do short video content formats and all of these things. It's like, yeah, we can do this. But like, I would see a podcast because whichever Bitcoin rabbit hole you want to fall down into, whether that be mining, macroeconomics, whatever, uh, this is probably the best way to get started. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm not there yet. So I'm with you 100%. We need more of these long form conversations. Uh, but I think as a human species, we're just too bad to, <laughs> to basically keep up there or listen to something in one go for like 90 minutes. Yeah. But if being... you, I'm sorry, but, but if you look at it, I mean, if I, if I go to YouTube shorts, 99% of that is Joe Rogan. True. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. It's so, so there is something there. Um, and, and I think people, um, I also do YouTube shorts now. So mm. I, re I realized this very quickly that I had to do it, but this is something I cannot do on my own. So I would, I would, uh, in, I, I meet, I meet a very young Bitcoiner, 20 year old guy, um, uh, at, at the Bitcoin conference in, in Innsbruck. He says, hi, he's coming, he's going to move to, to Vienna. I say, okay, hit me up when you're in Vienna. Let's talk. And then, and then turns out he's already running a small YouTube channel. He can, he can cut videos and now he's doing this for me. Right. So I see he would sit down because he, it needs to be a Bitcoin. He needs somebody who is, mm. who's, who has the, the, the knowledge and the energy of, of to listen to all that stuff. Right. Um, so I'm very thankful that that happens because I cannot do that. Um, I can, I'm running a YouTube channel. I've never cut the video in my whole life. I, 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 because I'm old school and if I do a video, so what I do, and that this is like my, my thing now, if I do a video that's only me, I would do a one take. So if, yep. if, I, if I fuck it up after 10 minutes, I have to start again. But I can do it like I have a, a system where I can pause the recording. And when I start it again, it looks like I did a cut, but I never did a cut. <laughs> <laughs> very sneaky. <laughs> it's very sneaky. <laughs> so is that, is that when you do the different camera angles then? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So oh, that's... Yeah, that's yeah. That's also why I, why, why I, I warned you before we, we taped, I warned you that, that the Amazon guy would be coming because I actually, I sent back the cameras and got better ones. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like the picture that they were producing. You know? So you have like a command battle at home, I guess then, if I imagine your, work, your workspace. Yes, I do. I, I, I'm also uh, like I'm one of those persons who would watch like videos about, you know, um, uh, set, set setups and yeah, desk setups and stuff like that. <laughs> Um, yes, I have to yeah. say I have a pretty, I have a pretty sweet setup. It's also standing desk stuff, everything. Yeah, yeah, everything. Yeah, I've got, I've got set up envy right now. I thought I had something going on. I'm, I'm starting to evolve a little bit into having a little bit more of an aesthetic going on. But no, you've got it down, Nico. Well done. So I, I, maybe to come to, to turn it back to the to the um, to the business. Yeah, I mean, the, I, I got it down because my main, like the main thing I did in the in year one was I, I got an office. That's mm, why yes. I, so, so I'm not working from home um, mm. for many reasons. I have kids and family and it's, and it's just mentally, it's just better to not sit at home all day. Um, so I have an office and that's why I can have a setup like this. If I, if I would do this at home, it would be very dangerous with little kids there and, and stuff like that. Nice. And for you, what is the biggest learning out of year one as a um, self-employed journalist because i imagine that's quite a vast difference to working for big media papers or newspapers in general it's it's really funny actually because because you are used to like uh, a freelance journalist in in the old days would be a synonym for for a taxi driver right and mm. and this is not i don't mean this in a bad way there's there's great taxi drivers but i'm just saying many people who had this dream would would end up not having it fulfilled right um so i would say that that besides bitcoin itself um the the whole story of what we call today content creation or i think facebook on instagram calls it digital creator i like that one um is that's like that that's 
the meta story of, of what I do. So, and, and then there is also the connection because with value for value and the lightning network and, 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 and stuff like that, uh, Bitcoin actually ties into this content creation sphere in a way that no other technology does really. Um, so this is really fascinating. And this is one of the reasons why I'm running YouTube and the Substack and a ghost website because I try all these different platforms. Mm. Um, and and so freelance journalist really doesn't really cut it. I mean, it's it's more like a one-person media business. Uh, it's I'm not a freelance journalist. A freelance journalist doesn't sell advertising advertising in their own products it's 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 i'm officially yes in, in front of the law i'm a free journalist because it has some perks here in austria there's less bureaucracy involved in my life um but but um it's and i think that this is really something that's going to get only bigger within the next couple of years in every sort of topic and bitcoin is just a perfect topic it's just a wonderful topic because it is relevant it is important it's not something just just a hobby it's something that i i strongly believe in um is is there for you know better basically to make the world a better place and and also on the audience side it's great you know mm. because there's the people the only the only like topic that you can you can um compare it to is sports so if you, you know, Ian, are you are you a football fan? I'm not um, actually, and and, and I'm, I'm, no, I'm, 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 I'm no, football. I'm the only Brit in the world that doesn't like football. <laughs> but I, I, I understand your analogy. I, I understand where you're coming from, Nico. Um, but the, the topic of Bitcoin is just like an endless uh, rabbit hole of different diversions or, in, in that Warren. And um, it's a conversation that can continue and continue and continue. And learning just does, doesn't stop taking place all the time. And I like, I like, I always, I always like to compare it to, if I have to like explain it to my friends, if they ask me like, why are you so into Bitcoin? I can ask them the same thing. Like, why are you a yeah. Hotspurs yeah, yeah. fan, for example? Yeah, yeah. Horrible football club. Um, my opinion, sorry for any Tottenham fans <laughs> out there. Peter, Peter McCormack would agree. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I have many discussions with him at a few conferences about this um but it's the same thing right like what drives these people to like spend money on every home match or sometimes on away games and going there and buying merch and all of these things because there is a passion there i would make the case bitcoin is probably improving the world much much more than um, a game of football again subject to whoever is involved in whatever um but it's the same thing we are passionate and we want to spread that and make a contribution to uh, the legacy financial system or whatever you are involved in with Bitcoin. And there's one more thing. It's, and it's this, this little esoteric theory that I have. It's like, you know, the mainstream media likes to say that Bitcoin wastes energy, right? Um, mm. But it, I, I think it doesn't waste energy at all. The, the energy turns up within the Bitcoiners. Right. Yes. Um, yes. Because, because there is, um, it's, it's, it's so easy working with Bitcoiners because, because they have such passion for the project that they just want to do something because everybody knows it's going to lead somewhere. Um, and, and it's just a whole different society and, and dynamic to be working in. Um, and, and I'm just really glad that I did this because, I mean, I was, I was almost 40. I had two kids. I had a very well-paid job. I could have just stayed there. And, and, and I, I even, I mean, in my think tank, I, I was even able to actually work on Bitcoin. Right. Oh, nice. But but I didn't. I wasn't able to to. Uh, but it's it's other stuff as well. It's like it's not all. So so you have this. You have this. Um, you have the Bitcoin. Let's call it a Bitcoin mega trend, right? So you have the Bitcoin mega trend. Then you have the content creation, the content economy mega trend. Um, that is that is especially in in, in German speaking world is lagging behind. Obviously behind uh, because it's more international, just like Bitcoin. And then you have also this, this, I don't know how to call it. It's like the, the inflation and the, and the pandemic and, and even like younger people in general, they are more conscious about their time, I guess. And they're more conscious about what we call work-life balance, but it's such a stupid word, right? Um, so I don't want work-life work balance. I want just work balance. Then my life is also in balance, right? So, so I... I and for me, I have never been one that could like 
you know, turn off his head about the mm. stuff he was working on anyway. So mm -hmm. it's better to just just accept that and then build your life around that. So that's what I'm doing right now. And I'm, I have no intention of stopping. When did you first hear about Bitcoin, Nico? Huh. Um, so I, I, I've gotten this question before and I have to say I don't know. Mm. I, I would have to, maybe I can go through my Gmail and maybe I, I can go... <laughs> Um, through my Evernote. Um, I'm a huge Evernote user since 2009 and this also helps me a lot because I can I can even reference like old interviews that I did in my new work now, which is interesting. Um, I'm working on an article about Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock. I actually interviewed him once in Vienna and I asked him about oh, wow. Bitcoin back then. Mm. And, first, and I kept a whole, the recording. So now I can go through the old recordings and compare it to what he's saying now. It's very, it's very good stuff. Um, when did I first hear about Bitcoin? Um, I don't know. I remember that Max Tertinek, who is the, the, um, uh, the founder of, of Coinfinity, who is today my German channel's main sponsor, uh, he came to Vienna, I think in 2013 or 14, to explain it to me. That must have been after I've written about it already, because I've written about Bitcoin in Die Presse, which is a very old newspaper that already, I mean, Karl Marx was a correspondent from London um, who wrote for the Presse, but also Ludwig von Mises wrote for the Presse. It's a very old liberal newspaper. And um, I've heard about Bitcoin obviously before I wrote about it, so it must have been somewhere in 2012 maybe. Yeah, I think. Because the, the European Central Bank had its first paper on Bitcoin, virtual currency schemes. That was also in 2012. And they had a whole paper about Bitcoin that was actually their best paper about Bitcoin yet. Everything afterwards was shit. Speaks volume to their work ethic. And, and it's, <laughs> it's, um, it compared Bitcoin to the, the Linden dollars from Second Life, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so it, I think 2012 would be, would be a good guess, probably. And I didn't, I didn't buy in and I'm not rich. <laughs> no 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 so it's, it's for me it was like one thing hearing about bitcoin but then it was another thing understanding bitcoin to the point where i was like ah this is something significant and that's when you, you start going down the rabbit hole um so you first heard about uh bitcoin around 2012 but then obviously as time went on you, the more you heard about it the more you understood it what was your aha moment with bitcoin is like actually this is something quite significant is that something you remember more clearly? Yeah, because it's not that far far off. Uh, the, the, the real aha moment only came in 2020. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it took me seven years. It's it's um, so the thing is, I was already I understood what it wanted to do from an economics perspective very quickly because I was already into Austrian economics. I was already into gold. Um, I knew about the fiat money system. I knew that inflation was a problem. I knew that uh, central banks. Um, are not really a, a technology that's up to the standards that we need today. Uh, but I was very far down already the gold rabbit hole. And mm -hmm. there is also, there is a rabbit hole there. There is, a, mm. um, there is also different sections within the rabbit hole. Um, and I was very far down the gold rabbit hole. And also, if you want to call it some something, I mean, there is also a, a central banking rabbit hole, right? Because they know. Yeah about all of this stuff. They know about all of this stuff. They just they just have their ways of communicating about it, right? Um, so this is one thing. And the second thing that, that was, is, is that the flip side of being a journalist, especially a daily journalist, is that you always have to cover what's hot right now. So when Bitcoin goes to 700 euros, 800 euros, you know, yeah, I can write an article about it. And it's, But then two weeks later, I have to write about other stuff. And, and this combines with, um, with your personal investments. So the problem is that um, I've made, and I'm probably still making every investment uh, mistake in the books. Uh, my Psychology-wise, I'm just not an investor. I have to realize that. Um, and especially as a journalist, so it goes up, it goes up, and then you write about it, and then you get FOMO, and you want to get in, and then you buy at the top, you know? And, and I did that. I bought it, I think, 750 euros. I bought half a Bitcoin, right? At Bitcoin DE. That was, that back in the day, <laughs> you had to, 
you had to it was just a marketplace that got people together and then I had to wire that person money and Bitcoin DE would work as an as an escrow, right? Mm -hmm. um, and of course, before I was even finished with the transaction, the price collapsed 50%. <laughs> and And, and I'm like, Nico, this is stupid. And then you want to forget about it. And you still see this in the media. You still see articles that are not written for the public. They're written for the, pe the person writing the articles. Yeah. Um, and mm. and, um, um, the, and, and, and I was like that. And I even wrote within these years, I would have wrote, written about one to 1.5 articles why Bitcoin is stupid as well, right? Um, and then, because I was so far down the gold rabbit hole that I was also down the gold rabbit hole um, in, a, in a personal, in, in a professional capacity. I was so convinced that, you know, inflation will run hot and everybody will buy gold that I just wanted to be known as the gold guy. I wanted, because I, I, I didn't have any money anyway, right, as a young journalist. So I, I just thought that's a good career move, right? So before you had the white paper as a poster at home, you had Peter Schiff hung up. As like your morning <laughs> I was never I, ritual place. <laughs> so I want to say, but I said this before about Peter Schiff. I'm sure Peter Schiff understands Bitcoin. His son understands mm. Bitcoin. He's only he's he's just doing great marketing. This yep. is just marketing. He's very good at it. He's marketing his his gold company while his son is is covering the Bitcoiners. And whatever happens, the Schiffs win. Yeah. So good for them. But um <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, there's. I, I don't. Th I think that the whole discussion between Bitcoin and gold is a bit stupid. There wouldn't be mm. Bitcoin if there wasn't any gold. Literally, like you need. Yep. I think you need gold for miners as well. So um, we can go down this rabbit hole if you want. We can just keep talking about that uh, and um, gold. I, I, I'm just gonna finish up the, the 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 like my timeline here. Um, yeah, and so so I would, I would um, cover. Uh, it on and off and then I would forget it uh, forget about it and I would not take it seriously and th that's the thing I mean that's the main the main thing for me was I would not take it seriously because I knew like for the same reason why Ray Dalio says these things right I thought that the government will never let it happen right and 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 that they would go down the gold route because gold is something they can control because they have so much of it and then and then um I would lose interest, and then in, in 2017, I, I remember this very, very vividly. Um, I was I was about 33, 34, and my brother was four years younger. And I would get text messages from his friends, who are also my friends, but they're like 30, right? And this would send me messages: write something about Ethereum, write something about ICOs. And I'm like, this is interesting. That's the first time a young person has ever told told me that he wants to read something in my newspaper. So I I, I better get on this, right? So I would spend the whole 17 bull run um, knee deep in shit coins um, writing about them speculating with them burning <laughs> yeah. burning so much money um, I remember I mean it's one thing um, beating yourself up about not buying Bitcoin in 2013 it's another thing about not buying it at least in 17 when it was still like 2,000 3,000 euros right not even 1,000 but 3,000 is fine right okay so no, I did not do that. I would, but I had a whole lot of shit coins, man, <laughs> and a whole <laughs> lot of shit coin narratives, um, and and it's also an, a, a typical psychological thing because you always want to be the smarter guy, right? The guy next to you owns Bitcoin for 10 years. You well, you're not gonna buy Bitcoin now. He was right 10 years ago. No, you're gonna buy, um, I don't know, some Cardano or whatever, right? Yeah, the new next thing. Yeah, exactly. And then, mm. and then. Something interesting I want I also want to mention is that after the the, the bull run of um, seventeen eighteen, I would uh, during the bull run I would get messages and after uh, the bull run I, I would go through these messages and there was this huge um, Ponzi scheme running in in Austria Germany and a couple of other countries with Austria as a center right it was called Optiomend. And it was actually built on Bitcoin in, in, in so far as that they would take people's money and that they would credit them um, Bitcoin in their system. They never actually hold, held the Bitcoin. They just took them and basically ran away with them. But for, for over a year, this was going on. They were promising 1%, 2%, 4% a week, a week, right? Um, and it was a classic Ponzi scheme. I learned a lot about 
Ponzi schemes back then. That's why I'm also, that's something I see a lot in the shitcoin space right now, like the, these, these strategies of always mm. promising, never delivering, you know. Right. I don't know, going to proof of stake and then just locking the stake indefinitely, something like that maybe. Um, <laughs> mm. and, and, and I learned a lot about this, but it also turned me off Bitcoin and crypto for real because it was absolutely disgusting. They, would, they were predators of the worst kind. They would go after vulnerable communities, you know, um, and, and, and it was really, really disgusting. And I would spend a lot, a lot of time and, 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 it's, it's, and it makes me laugh about, about, because there are some like journalists, wannabe journalists now who, who, who consider themselves to be crypto critics and uh, spend their, their day hating on Bitcoin, right? Um, so I get, I even got like an investigative journalism award for that, right? Um, and it was, would be very, very negative about Bitcoin. But does anybody care? No, <laughs> no, no. Um, so yeah, so that also turned me off Bitcoin. And then actually in, I, I would, in, in, in it, it took until 2020 and, uh, the then, um, um, rabbit hole of Bitcoin maxis um, and especially that's why I mentioned him so much because I did listen to a lot of uh, Peter McCormick's podcasts who I think is doing an excellent job and, and, and this also basically gave me the idea of basically doing the same in German um, and, and in, within time it gave me the idea within time but, but in, 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 in 17 in 16, 17, 18 we didn't have these 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 Bitcoin only um, um, sources. Yeah, I, I I don't know when when Kiki started to write, but I mean his stuff is absolutely insane. I didn't find it until 2020. So it's just what it is. It's just what it is. Um, so and then I'm basically taking the template that I thought would be good with gold, where I I, I don't have so much money I can invest in. So I would <laughs> actually the most important. Part of my journey was when I realized I'm not going to get rich of Bitcoin or crypto. When I, when I decided this is not the way, it's not the way to just wait for the number go up and then sell and then I'm rich. What I'm going to do that, I don't know. You know, It's not the point of life anyway. And that really helped. That really helped. I guess there's a very small minority maybe on like Bitcoin Twitter or generally in the community that might judge you if you like... I don't know, you know, sell your Bitcoin and stuff, but they're anyway too small to really pay too much attention to. But my experience was quite similar to yours because um, I had a phase in my Bitcoin journey. So I got in in 2013 um, and I immediately got in because I needed to pay a friend in South Africa. <laughs> and I looked online, I was like, Western Union is way too expensive. PayPal is always this, you know, this was back in the days, like you had to link your bank account in a certain way. And then because I was based in Switzerland, I had to do some things extra and super annoying. Um, and I used it for about three years as a payment source. And then in the middle, I got this, this weird thing as well with the ICOs because I started freelancing back then. You know, you get these amazing, I don't know, 10,000 tokens if you work for us, right? And then if we go live at the ICO, you'll be rich and shit. Uh, and you believe that because um, obviously you see 10,000 as a token sum, not realizing that one token is like 0.00001p. <laughs> so basically nothing. Um, and I think you, everyone has to go through that journey, um, whether that be getting burned. You mentioned the Ponzi scheme in Austria. I had friends who were in this one. Then there was another one called OneCoin, which you probably yeah, sure. know as well. Sure. They also had an office in Vienna. I remember. I actually. Oh, really? A, a friend of mine had. A friend of mine um, was running a magazine, um, and they had the office just above one coin. Right. Oh shit! Oh. So he might have seen. He, you might have. You might have missed crypto some insights. Queen. I might be the crypto queen. You don't never know. Never know. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a great BBC podcast about her. Yeah, um, one of the few BBC shows that is good, actually. <laughs> But yeah, I had friends in uh, one Ponzi scheme, in one coin, and then in a third one. And at one point, they were just like, you know, you can talk to me so much about this ICO, that Bitcoin. It's just, it doesn't make sense anymore. Um, but they also, funnily enough, got it in 2020. So I think that pain always is the first thing you have to get in contact with to get some points of Bitcoin, whether that be macroeconomics, monetary policy, whatever, or just the number who goes up less quicker than others. It's just... 
um, I see it as a privilege to see to be working in this environment and to spend my time with it. It's mm. uh, and 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 it's. I mean, if 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 you look at Bitcoin in a long enough timeline, if it works out the way we think it will, um, anybody who is still, I mean, we can tell our grand grandchildren that we bought Bitcoin. You don't mm. buy Bitcoin; you work for it, mm. right? It's money. You don't buy money, right? Um, that's why it's also not an investment, and that's why the investment types always get their head uh, screwed the wrong way. Um, so you don't buy Bitcoin, and it's not about selling it anymore. And once you start, I mean, I don't even care about the tax regime anymore because I'm not going to sell yeah. it. If I need money, I work for the money. I, I earn euros. It's fine. I can. I mean, yes, they 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 lose their value, but that's. I mean, that's how it works, right? Yeah, and if you need to sell it once, okay, you like buy the sour apple and you move on. You know, you get the <laughs> chance to buy it back sooner or not, sooner that's rather also, than later. That's also right. I mean, I've sold a lot. I've sold a lot because, I'm, because but for speculation and for uh, for emotions reasons, right? And I've always <laughs> sold at a loss. <laughs> <laughs> I think most have. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's the best way. It's the best way to avoid taxes. If you never make any gains, you don't pay any taxes. <laughs> right. um, but but the thing is with with. Um, also, what you said, because if you got into Bitcoin using it, Yael, mm. my friend who I'm doing the, 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 the newsletter with, is also one of those people. If you get into Bitcoin using it, like, like the Nigerians are doing or the Lebanese are doing, it's a whole different story than um, speculating on the, on the price because that's how most people in the West would get in, right? So, so you already used yeah. it. So I'm... I'm um, I totally understand where it comes from with many Bitcoiners, especially old Bitcoiners, uh, who always ask, you know, can I pay in Bitcoin? Do you accept Bitcoin? You know, you want to use it. Using Bitcoin is so much more fun than just waiting yeah. for the number to go up in, in some currency. It's, 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 uh, and that's also, I mean, from a, from a media perspective, I mean, if I look in, in YouTube, right, um, if I want clicks, I just do some chart bullshit every day, right? I just I see, ah, look, I can see some chart constellation here and there. Um, but it's also good for, let's say, the Bitcoin story or even like the Bitcoin revolution that, that all the really greedy people will go to the crypto bullshit, right? And they will advertise FTX and then FTX goes down and they'll make a video mm. saying, you know, I never told you FTX was good, right? <laughs> and then they just, and then they just, you know, Gaslight their audience and then just move on, right? Um, and and from a nihilistic perspective, you can say, okay, they're making so much money, and the money um, just prov- proves that they are right. Uh, but um, it's not something I'm interested in. And I get actually, I don't know, I get when you really uh, when you start to understand Bitcoin, you also understand that the whole investing media and the whole investing story is to, it's, it's all built on, oh, yeah. on, on the problems of fiat money it's not built i mean sure you can buy a, a, a stock i love stocks great stocks are great right everybody should own stocks but but the whole like making it into into uh, a nationwide pastime is 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 a function of inflation not of anything else there's a reason why Jack Bolger invented the index fund um, in 1976. Mm. Um, and, and there is a reason why this exploded in the last couple of decades and it was not necessary before. I mean, here in Austria, most people are still you know, waiting for things to change and nobody buys fucking stocks. <laughs> I just wanted to add that because I have a very good friend who works at a hedge fund here in London. And he, you know, we always... Uh, keep talking because he's interested in bitcoin obviously from an investment perspective um and i mean typical cadentian money economics you know um it's good that like our money is stable if it keeps inflating away two percent every year which i think just if you say it it doesn't make sense right like it loses value but it's stable um and i talked to him i was like listen what would someone need to do if they're interested like they study economics maybe they get a master's degree in whatever international law additionally to like the economics thing in the bachelors and they want to get into a hedge fund maybe they're good with math maybe they can sell whatever what do you actually give up and his answer is always the same like i give up my life like i have no private life i have no interests essentially i'm at the whim of my clients um they're a very good performing hedge fund they did very well last year for example but then at the end of the day i look at this and i think to myself 
holy shit, is this how you like want to live for the next 40 years, you know? And he maybe has a bit less, he has like 35 left until he's in that retirement age. But if you compare this to what the possibilities are, just like in the Bitcoin landscape, let's take mining, for example. It doesn't even have to be all of Bitcoin. You can spend your whole life probably bouncing between different mining providers, solutions, whatever. Um, and you can pretty much be relaxed in a certain environment. Mining can be stressful as well with all of the price fluctuation and stuff. But you can dedicate your life to something. If if you actually see through this, you sort of sit there and going like, well, is there anything else you really want to do? And I think if you get to that point, that's when you, in my eyes, are like a proper um, Bitcoin maxi, Bitcoin enthusiast, whatever you want to call it. Because everything else before that is partially driven probably by like speculation and trying to get some bucks out of it moving money around is not a job right i mean it's it's of course i mean the hedge fund guy lives pretty well off it he also doesn't have time to spend the money i guess but or maybe on bad stuff which i'm not going to mention for his own that's what he needs bitcoin <laughs> for right um yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh, but but it's it's i mean when you look at the when you look at this historically Wall Street's hedge funds, um, like money managers, from from the twenties to the seventies, it's a boring as fuck job. It's people like in the in the in the bonds department of banks. That's not that that this all started with the great inflation, starting with the end of the gold standard. Um, and we can talk about if this is a good or a bad thing, but it's just a fact. Uh, it all started with the great, mm. with the great, um, basically deregulation, and that is actually what it is. It's a deregulation, which is a good thing, actually. So I'm not saying we should go back to a gold standard, but um, suddenly banks, you know, dominate the skylines of cities. Every every important institution uh, is a bank. You know, um, if you want to make a lot of money, you go to the banks. Why? Because that's where the money goes first, and then they take their cut and then give the rest to the to the people. You know, there's this saying on on on. On Wall Street, is saying, "Where's the, where's the client's private plane? Where's the client's yacht?" Right, um, and 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 of course, these things go wrong very very badly. Um, and we have seen this in the financial crisis and later on. Um, but and, and people, I mean, it's not their fault. It's just the incentive. Most people will not understand this. The only reason why we understand this in the first place is because we have the internet. Without the internet and the connection of minds that happened um, in the last twenty years we wouldn't have known this you know a couple of academics would you know dust off some old hayek book and read it and then say well he's right who are we gonna tell nobody <laughs> you know the financial times is not picking up the phone um and and so so that's why bitcoin for me is something um, far more than just um a monetary spec speculative instrument it really changes um the way you 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 think about you know, life and time and work, and it goes back to a something of let's call it a simpler. It's it it frees you up because you know you don't have to worry about the money anymore. It's and 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 of course this sounds insane for anybody who is in a fiat mindset, right? Um, because because they would worry about the fluctuation so volatile. Um, but but you don't because I know um, when I get Bitcoin, it's it's a part of 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 whatever there is uh, of, of, of 21 million max, um, if you even count mm -hmm. the 1 million the Satoshi coins, right? Um, but, yeah. but it's, it's so, so you have these, these, these um, but, uh, but you need to spend so much time on this and you need to spend so much time understanding this that of course it's not a mass phenomenon right now. It, this, this will take a lot of time. Um, and, but I think that we have reached Point where people who are interested in it um, see Bitcoiners and they see the community, they see the optimism, they see that people are very relaxed, and this attracts people because this is what they don't see in the normal world, right? Right. Um, that's one thing, and the second thing is that more and more because it in in order to understand, like to even get into something like Bitcoin, you need to to question the system, right? You need to have some sort of doubt in the system do you doubt that the banks are going to work forever do you have to have doubt in, in in your government's ability to manage the pandemic whatever but if you if you are um part of the elite if you already made it if you if you own everything and, and if everybody tells you you're great and and if, if life is good within like, like it is you're not gonna get into bitcoin right 
Um, but if you think that, you know, central banking is a rather stupid idea, yeah, yeah, you're going to get into Bitcoin at some point. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. And you know what I, what I love before I leave the question then to Ian, if I speak to my, because I also have a lot of journalist friends, um, Nico, I, I didn't mention it in the pre-interview. I studied um, media studies, like Medienwissenschaften, wanted to become a journalist, uh, initially sports journalism, then I got hooked on like consumer tech and stuff. Uh, but at one point I was too bored and basically instead of working for a newspaper, worked for a think tank and realized, okay, it's more or less the same shit, depending what you do. And then left it completely to just do freelance copy work. Uh, but a lot of my friends are still in it. And it's amazing to me sometimes if they ask me, but ah, what's the use case of Bitcoin? Like we in the West don't need it. And I'm like, yeah, we don't. But think about the other like four and a half, five, probably six billion people on earth who are, not all of them are unbanked, but pretty badly banked cash societies like you had your mm. talk with Mary. These people need a monetary system, decentralized, no one in control, and everyone has the same properties, possibilities on it. And you can send it around the world instantly now with solutions like Lightning and stuff. How you can look at this as a Western perspective and actually be quite arrogant to think that we don't need this in the world. Um, this is what I sometimes struggle with. But again, it's, you, you described it perfectly before. It's the yeah, and that was going to be my question uh, with the fiat mindset. How dangerous are journalists with the fiat mindset that don't fully understand Bitcoin? And, and they've got a, quite a dominant voice out there in, in the legacy mainstream media. Um, you know, dishing out a recycled FUD that's been repeated again and again and again and cutting and pasting their articles about, you know, energy and environmentalism. You know, we, we've got these people out there who are um, reading this material and, and believing it. So how can we counter the FUD with, with and how, how, how can we better educate journalists? Um, so I want to start off by, by saying that if you look at what's what's happening, for example, in Africa or in, in the Middle East, um, it, and it's not, I mean, everybody agrees that these countries do not have functioning currency uh, and financial systems, right? Um, but if it, it's, it doesn't have to get to this point. There are still corrupt um, elites, and we have corrupt elites, everybody has corrupt elites, right? Um, but they are just worse. Um, but they are not... I mean, in Lebanon... In Lebanon, in your interview, sorry to interrupt you, like the, the central bank was literally running a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> Quite literally, right? It's not, it's not like a it's, conspiracy it's theory or whatever. Were, yeah, they were running a, a Ponzi scheme and it was so bad that, if, that even like high officials have to, have to, have to admit that. But it's, it's um, I'm just saying that, it, for example, we talk a lot about migration, right? We talk a lot about Africa. We talk a lot about the democracies there. You know, if you give people a functioning monetary system, if you give them something that they can base their life off, um, then you don't have to migrate to Europe. It, it, it's it, it just our system works a little bit better. That's why we we get to be uh, arrogant about about you know, you know they they'll know how to, to run their country. You know. Not even counting the fact that that our companies are still um, basically, you know, squeezing every penny out of these these countries. Um, okay, but that's that's just. I mean, I just I would just want to say that the whole idea of putting the whole world on a hard money standard that actually works <laughs> is so big and so mind-boggling that I will gladly debate anybody, and that's how we get to the journalists. I will gladly debate anybody who disagrees with this until they just drop drop down in exhaustion. Um, and and with the journalists, I think, I mean, I get this question a lot. I really do um, because people are fascinated by what's going on in, in, in media. And in the end, it's it's the same thing as in central banks. It's incentives. So people, people do not have a, a strong incentive of um, going against the mainstream, right? When you look when you look closely, every every paper will have like one or two guys who, who who cover that base, right? You have you have your I don't know you have your Jeremy Clarkson, right? Whenever you need whenever you you, you go too far to the left, you let Jeremy lose, and he just he tweets something, and then he's fine again, right? Or you have other people, um, and and but in the, in the end, journalists. Are, there's there's this 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 book from um, a, a, a German journalist Jan Fleischhauer who is also uh, more on the on the conservative maybe liberal side liberal in the in the German sense libertarian probably um, 
and and he would say you know the, the the thing is that that if you are somebody who is who is who leans to the left of the political spectrum you 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 will be somebody who likes to tell other people what to think and what to do that's just how you think that the world should be run and then you will you will automatically go into professions like university schools and journalism right so first of all all newsrooms in the west are already skewed in one direction you see this in in elections you see this with um their their um their uh, uh um how do you say like the the unions right and you also see i mean if you are a hardcore libertarian you know what are you going to write <laughs> you know what are you going to write in your in your op-ed just leave it to the market you have to fill the rest of the page you know you have to say something do something um, and the whole system is, is is built like this. Even in in my in our my old uh, think tank that was very libertarian, you know, in the what should the government do section, it's all about what the government does, right? Because because um, that's just how this works. Back in the days of the Austrians, economists were, were people who told politicians what they cannot do. You know, you cannot do this. Now, politicians, economists that uh, tell politicians what they can do: just put money here, put money there. So, um, and that's the journalism thing. There, I don't think that there's any, like, some are total idiots, I can tell you that. I mean, this is, like, in any profession, there are some, like, total morons who just think uh, they have to, they, they, there are some people in the journalism, like I said, there are some people who are going to want to make their career out of busting Bitcoin and busting crypto, you know? You mean these are individuals who are like, at like conferences and like every second work is like, or are those bit different people? No, I would, I would, I would, um, I would not uh, include <laughs> Jemima. No, 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 no. She's, she's okay. Good. No, 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 no. She's not like that. She, she just, she just. Um, I think she understands. I don't. I don't know. I haven't talked to her that much, but I don't. I. I don't think that she's like that. I have a couple of people in my head from the German-speaking world who would who would be more like that, and there is a, a whole section of like anti-crypto people. Um, um, oh, I know which one. Yeah, but I don't want to name any names. That's not why I'm here. But but it's it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's, um, it's so they will think that they are going to be anti-Bitcoin, and then they have their they're all anti-crypto circle jerk um, on Twitter with other people, and it's it's and it and they all of them go the easy route by never um, acknowledging the difference between Bitcoin and the rest of crypto. That's what they do. They just, they, they take yep. it all in and I can see why they see this, but I always say, and, and this also goes for the, for the central banks, you know, and this is also the journalism, you know, if you are used to cover the European central bank and they tell you what you, what to think, and then they write articles about that Bitcoin is total shit. Well, you're going to be very impressed by that, Right. Um, but there is a, there is one thing that I can guarantee you that's already happening and that will impress journalists. They get backlash, um, and they get a lot of backlash because when I would write shit about um, crypto and Bitcoin in 2016, 17, if there was mistakes in there, I would not get any, so much backlash because there wasn't so many people. Today, if the European Central Bank does one tweet about Bitcoin, there will be hundreds of Bitcoiners. <laughs> Actually, when the European Central Bank does any tweet these days, there's hundreds of Bitcoiners in the comment section, you know, trolling them. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and so there is present company so you, included. So you get so you get lots of you get lots of um, of feedback now, um, and that will make you think. But in the mm. end, the only way to get to get journalists to understand Bitcoin is to get them to use it, right? Because anybody who's never mm. who's never uh, bought and sent any Bitcoin um, on the main chain on the Lightning Network is like a journalist writing about a car that he has never driven, or a journalist writing about um, writing about the internet without having owning his own email address, right? Um, and and then of yep. course they will say, yeah, but it's an investment, and I'm a journalist, so I'm not invested in what I write about. Yeah, but it's not an investment; it's a technology, you know. Um, the fact that mm. it has also an investing character is, is a feature of the technology that makes it work. It's not what it's there for in the first place. If you think Bitcoin is something is only there for you to make money, then of course, yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna have a framework that's very gonna be very hard to understand. And yes, 
running, uh, writing about Bitcoin only in the financial pages is probably wrong. You should be writing about it in... in, in uh, and, yeah. But in the end, my personal opinion is it's not... I mean, these media co uh, companies are dying anyway. Uh, it's nothing to do with Bitcoin. Yep. They would be gone without Bitcoin. And, and it's a good, big chance for us to, um, to rebuild because you need to... Because mm -hmm. you said you said Joel, you said that you know you could you could go into mining. I think you can go into any business with mm -hmm. a Bitcoin angle these days. Um, it doesn't have to mining is just yeah. so media is 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 very is is, is my personal uh, preference and it's very close to uh, people need information so that's it really works. But I'm probably not going to be talking about Bitcoin so much in 20 years. I will be talking about the world from a Bitcoin mm -hmm. perspective, right? And I already do that today a little bit because that's that's what people um, are looking for, you know. They they are they are looking to understand, and if you get this this perspective, you it's easier for you to understand because you finally have something that is constant in your life. You're already answering my next question, and that was where you're going to see yourself in 10 years. And it seems like, um, yeah, we we need to understand in 10 years from a different perspective. Everything's going to be more Bitcoin orientated. So, how how do you see your work shifting in 10 years time as bitcoin evolves it, it, it's, it's really hard to say because we have no idea where the technology goes in 10 years um right now i'm extremely fascinated by whatever like so i have to admit that um for i told you about yale a couple of times so one one thing that she does very well is she's also a journalist but she's very much into the technical stuff of bitcoin you know He's the one covering Nostra and the Lightning Network, and you know he has a miner at home and 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 running several nodes and and right. That's like the difference between me and you, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> and I like I like all of this absolutely, but it's not mm. my it's not my comfort zone. You know, I like because when I have time to mm. to use to go into technical stuff, uh, I'm looking at cameras, I'm looking at, at microphones, I'm looking I'm, I'm more like a gaming streamer. <laughs> Right, um, but that's fine. But it's it's um, so yeah. I see myself probably in a very very similar situation to right now, but a little bit more streamlined because I don't know where this is going. One thing right now that I want to keep is like this one person show. Basically, I don't. It's not. Oh, I don't necessarily want to like um, build a business and have employees and stuff. You know, that's not, but on the other hand, I know that you need to get some leverage from your work some, somewhere. So I have to think about this. But right now, um, I'm very much enjoying doing this on my own with partners, you know, with corporation partners. I'm not lonely or anything. Um, but but um, I, I, I'm happy if I, if I get to do this in, in some capacity. Um, but it's hard to say. Something else could come up, you know, something completely different um, could come up. But I do, I will probably still be in the in the so-called Bitcoin space. I don't know if we're going to call it Bitcoin space then, but it's, it's, yeah. But I, I mean, honestly, I've always, I, I've written newspapers for my parents when I was eight. So I will always be a journalist. I will always, even if I'm an entrepreneur, even if I do something else, I will always be a journalist. Um, because it's and it's a great it's a great job to like a great mindset to have for these times because it's it, it lifelong learning for us is not just a meme. That's a good quote. That would be a good clip on social media. <laughs> Nico, it was wonderful having you on. Um, and before we end things, I uh, want to give you the chance to a um, ask if we have forgotten anything you'd like to mention. And please tell us where people can find you online. Um, so first of all, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to li listen to me brabble here. Um, I enjoy this very much. <laughs> um, I don't think we have, if we have forgotten anything, it's just, you know, we're both in the content game, so we can just do another episode. We don't have to, right. do, <laughs> have to do this now. Exactly. Um, and... And where can people reach me? I think the best way to, to find me um, for, for your audience would just be to go to fixthemoney.net, which is my English home base, basically. Um, and there will be links to, to all my social media stuff um, and, of course, YouTube. Um, I'm going to launch the YouTube channel probably soon, soon-ish. Um, but but there is a couple, there's 10 episodes of the podcast already up. We have um, a couple of dozens of articles 
where I write about my perspective, um, where I also tie it into my into my um, experiences as a journalist, you know, even like the gold stuff and other stuff. So this is a lot of fun, and um, I would love to have your listeners as my readers slash listeners as well. You can subscribe; it's free um, for now. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see about that, but it's free, um, and um, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun doing that. And thank you for having me. Um, and yeah, I wish you the best for your show. Thank you. And on that note, you reminded me, please also like and subscribe, guys, on YouTube and all of that stuff. Um, or yeah, you mentioned it before, Nico, use the Lightning Network with value for value. Um, I don't want to force anyone to spend their sets if they don't want to, but it's really a great tool to, if you've never tried it, also use it once. Because you see it on Nostr, right? It gets addictive if you get saps. Mm. You want Absolutely. to do more of that Nostr stuff. is great. I don't have time Nostra, but besides that it's, it's <laughs> because i actually so the, the only reason why i can be as productive as i am right now is because i i deleted twitter from my cell phone mm. so yeah yeah but now i have the the Noster the Noster app <laughs> <laughs> so you just replaced twitter in the form <laughs> um, um and great yeah nico it was an absolute pleasure thank you again and uh, maybe we can uh, do another episode down the line and uh, reconnect and uh, see what we're doing a few years down the line perhaps but uh take care of yourself and uh we'll see you soon absolutely thanks for having me